Good morning, campers! Have no fear, happy campers, it's here, it's a summer camp-themed podcast where we reminisce about the stuff that we missed, about the best summers we ever had. And there will be reflection and lots of introspection and a great selection of guests that will stop by. So grab a glass of bug juice, relax, and say hi to both your hosts. We're Julie and Sammy, your podcast family, we're gonna start the show. Hey, happy campers. Hi, everyone. Um, you guys, we love Pam and Dave so much. Pave, as their camp couple name, Pave. Um, that we had them stick around. And this isn't a mini episode. This is another action-packed, full-length ep. Aren't you excited? I'm super excited. Hey, Hi, Dave. Dave. Dave's still, still here. here. And still here. Pam is also still here, but uh, she's just going to be providing some filler some background so he says anything chill. that's a full lie you yeah can just you be can. like lie my husband's lying <laughs> never um okay so we're talking to dave because he runs you run this program right, so i'm the director of he this is program, the director yeah. of this program in camp administration and leadership it's a master's degree that you can get yes. at gats college gratz, so gratz, gratz. sorry gratz okay. let's <laughs> let's talk a little bit about like did you start this program so How no did- so when i was still a day camp director i i went to montclair state in new jersey and i was a graduate assistant there i got an english degree in writing studies and i started teaching freshman comp which is one of the worst classes you can <laughs> ever teach on a college campus. But I did that for quite a few years. And when I was starting out as a camp director, I was still, I was living in Jersey. The camp is down the Jersey Shore. And I was still teaching at Montclair. And I was commuting one or two nights a week. And the camp was growing. So the owner said, Dave, I really appreciate that you do this. But you need to not leave a couple nights a week early to go teach. You need to find a way to teach online and be at your desk answering the phone, taking care of camp business. So I happened to have a friend, uh, shout out to Cheryl Megan, if you're listening, who at the time was just starting this master's program at a different school at the time uh, with the support of the AM Skyer family, so the Skyer insurance family, and they, she needed help teaching the courses. So we spoke at Tri-State, I believe, and she hired me to just teach classes. And a couple years later, I was looking to transition out of this position at camp. I, I was working with one of my best friends, but it just my time was up. It was time for me to look for something else. And one of the many interviews that I went on was at, so Cheryl decided she was leaving at exactly the same time. And so one of my interviews was with this university to take over this program. And because I'd been teaching there and I had the background in camp and the university kind of experience, they hired me to run this program. So that was about seven years ago, I wanna say. Uh, or so and I've been running it ever since uh, it recently just moved to Gratz College so it was at another university that their mission changed and what they wanted to teach in their programs so we moved it over to Gratz College about a year ago oh, wow. uh, so I've been running that program and I also run an education program there as well so like tell us about the program I want to know what I want <laughs> like it's real it's the only program in the country that are in the world that has a master's in camp administration administration and leadership there are other programs that obviously do outdoor ed and things along those lines but nothing that's specifically focused on camp uh, and it's all online so we have students hopefully soon from canada we've had some international students uh, show interest as well and 
it's pretty amazing. It's I kind of call it going to a camp conference every day for two years. Yeah. Because you're constantly interacting, even though it's online, with other students. So it's asynchronous, and you you have assignments every week. They're eight week courses, and you're you're getting questions and your feedback and discussion boards. And it's really interesting to learn what somebody at a Girl Scout camp in Michigan is doing versus a private residential camp in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. Two very different worlds that are dealing with very similar issues, but are handling them from very different perspectives. Uh, some of it's financially motivated. Some of it's just the way that their organizations run. It, it's pretty interesting to see. Uh, and it's a 36 credit program. So it's pretty robust. And we, we do everything from foundations of camp where we look at standards and local health codes and sanitation codes and food safety and those types of things to marketing and business. Uh, and then they have the end of the program is a two course practicum where they actually have to institute some program at their camp and do some research and write a paper about it. So it's all so it's camp professionals are generally the ones who are taking. Yeah, I would say 98 percent of the people who have taken the course are already in camp. So they have a job at camp and they want to either uh, get a new job, right, move up in their careers salary increases a lot of agency camps now are requiring you to have a master's degree mm -hmm. in order to move up in title so if you want to be an executive director or something like that uh, and some just want it as their own credentials right so maybe they've grown up at camp they've happened to stay at camp they haven't left but they want to kind of bump up their own knowledge and also it looks good when you're selling to parents so they'll do it as a way to kind of pump up their credentials which is really nice so cool it's so yeah. cool okay so like what are some what are some of the classes that we take so what do we learn i want to know more <laughs> i so want to enroll <laughs> so it's a really broad range of courses where we really try and give a taste of really what it takes to run a camp so a lot of people when i'm when i'm talking to people well why don't i just get a social work degree or why don't i get an mba well my answer usually is if you have a social work degree it's very rare for you to actually use those skills at camp you're, you're not really a social worker anymore right. you're really more of a small business owner in a sense and an mba i don't know for me hire a bookkeeper to do your books i would say that you shouldn't be spending your time like as a bookkeeper you should you could hire somebody or have an accountant or a camp family or somebody on the outside who could help you with that and you should really be focused on running your business and running it better and getting more campers and marketing and those things so we really have everything like i said from health codes transportation we have uh, right now they they're just finishing the cohorts that's going now is they're just finishing a course in law and ethics which is probably the best course of the whole program. And it's pretty intense. A lot of risk management, a lot of insurance, a lot of what happens if. And usually people are blown away. The person who teaches it is Alan Cooper, who works for the Skyer Insurance Company. And he just, he'll send this summary every week that I actually have held on to them for like seven or eight years. And I refer to them because he sends just this incredible amount of information that makes you feel so much better and safer about your job, like what happens if kind of stuff. Uh, so it's pretty amazing. Uh, they take courses on supervision, uh, so learning how to be a better leader. There is a separate leadership course also, which they just finished in the fall, uh, which is really interesting to learn about your leadership style, how to how to kind of discover yourself as a leader. We have a special needs and inclusion course. Uh, we have a marketing course, which uh, we have a nonprofit and a for-profit track for a lot of these because they're a little, they run a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, and then this practicum is, is the kind of the culminating piece of it. Wow. Wow. 
It's yeah. a lot. And they've taken an elective now. We've changed the program to become an elective, to add an elective. So because I run this education program, they can take an education course also. Uh, so most of them are opting to take the conflict management course that we offer because it's pretty interesting to, to learn some of those techniques. It's so interesting because you were talking about like, oh, yeah, an MSW or an MBA where I'm like, yeah, that would make sense. But then I'm like, I don't know. Running a camp is such a unique like mm -hmm. what other business other than a boarding school just like takes your kids right. for. Yeah, that's like so and there's many so unique much you're doing aspects to it on right. just not not just in terms of like the concept of what it is, but like how you need to sell it to kids and parents, how mm -hmm. you need to like uh ensure yourself like the risk that you're assuming when you like take all these children right. on and like knowing like it needs a specific program i feel like for camp professionals because like there's nothing else like it yeah i mean when you think about it when you become a camp director you then become a food service professional right you become a transportation professional you become a kid expert right you become yeah. a a health inspector right human resources, human resources. <laughs> i mean think about all the things that you're doing as a camp director that you can't learn that in any other way i mean you can learn it on the job i guess and i feel like that's what it, it's how like it's been done does. for like a hundred years gets a little sloppy and, you and, don't and yeah. the world is different right expectations are different now right. from parents from the world from government from agencies in your in your county there's so many more so much more pressure so having some base of knowledge and some outside input is is really helpful. Well, you're not just in this isolated world of this is how we do it at camp. This is how we do it in the Poconos or in wherever the Catskills. Like all of a sudden you're hearing about how other people do it and maybe learning a little bit along the way. of like, oh, I could do things a little bit differently and bringing some new ideas back to your camp. Wow. Wow. So thinking that. about your wife who's next to you, if so, if she was in, you know, finishing up college or had done some, and was like, I want to be a camp director. Now there's this like, well, honey, sign up. <laughs> but there, that didn't exist. That didn't exist. And she would have asked for too much of a discount. <laughs> yeah, which yeah, I can't yeah, give. Yeah, yeah. We do have a lot of scholarship opportunities, but yes. we're really lucky to have some generous people on our advisory board. Great. Uh, so we are all able to offer scholarships, but it, it really is not only just for an up and coming camp director. I think I've had a lot of people in mid career mm -hmm. who have taken this on because they because, again, they might not be able to go to the, the big camp conferences. Right there, there are some place or their budgets don't allow it or whatever it might be. And they they're they're aching for more information yeah. and for some education and for some help, really, that you can't get if you're just in the middle of nowhere and, and you can't get to these opportunities. It's really hard and expensive and time consuming. This is something you could do at your house. If we give you some scholarship money, you also walk away with a degree, which is a pretty nice thing. Um, and it's cheaper than a social work or or uh, any other type of degree, MBA. Do so. you teach any of the classes? I do. I teach some of them. I try not to teach too many of them because they'll get tired of my voice. Uh, Who could get tired of your voice? <laughs> oh, it's happened. Uh, not my wife, who's, who's very happy. Uh, but so I teach, usually I'll teach the first course just to kind of set the tone, yeah. um, make sure that everybody's good and on the right path. I like teaching the leadership course, but I also have somebody else who really loves to teach it. His name is Jonathan Shirley. He was a, Oh, his picture's on here too. Yeah, he's on there. Uh, he's, he's He's a good guy. Uh, I don't teach the law and ethics course. I leave that to the expert. And I don't teach the special needs and inclusion. Although my first job as a counselor at my day camp was I actually worked in a special needs division. So I was a counselor for special needs kids. But I don't teach that course because I'm not qualified at this point in life. Uh, so some I will teach. I'll, I'll teach the supervision course. That's something that I'm, I'm okay with. Uh, but I like – and the practicum course, I – 
I run, but we also, so I'll reach out to, to kind of retired camp directors cool. and have them mentor my students. So we actually connect them and I try and find kind of similarity, right? People I know that they'll connect well with and they help them through this process and help them build these programs and help them kind of talk them off the ledge. Because when you're, when you're at camp in the summer, as we all know, it's really busy. And then on top of that, you're asking, you know, I'm asking them to really think about the program and then evaluate it and write something about it every week and keep a log. So they need a little bit of emotional support. So I try and find people who do that, who can kind of, you know, smooth them over and make sure that they're staying on track. Um, can we like back up a second and like, and like, can we hear how you got into on this path of summer camp? Like, <laughs> so I have a, uh, winding path along the way. And I, uh, so I was a day camp kid for a long time. We've heard. Yes. <laughs> That's one of the things I regret. He's like most. trying to make it relevant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His mom is from the Czech Republic, so I think, like, sleepaway camp was just never going to be okay with him. Like, he had a 400-mile limit of how far he could go for college. Like, okay. sleepaway camp wasn't going to happen. We love you, Mom. <laughs> uh, so I went to day camp uh, in Westchester, New York, where I grew up. Which camp? Uh, so now it's called Camp Discovery. Okay. But back then, it was the Richard G. Rosenthal YMYWHA. That's too many. Why letters? not yes. have that <laughs> Can you imagine the, yeah. that marketing Material, yeah, trying yeah, to fit yeah. that on a flyer back in the in the 80s. Uh, so it was before the JCCs kind of took over those organizations. So once that happened, they actually gave it a name called Camp Discovery. Cool. So we moved to Westchester from Long Island when I was seven, and I started at this camp, and it was pretty far. My, my older brother and I went, and I got put into a group with this group of like 12 of us that then ended up just kind of growing up together. Oh, wow. So the the day camp that I worked at eventually, the director there, his name is Gary. We actually went to camp together from when we were seven day and camp. then day camp till I was till that's we were so 19. Cool. Yeah. No, that's and, great. <laughs> um, and now his son, so Kimmy and Gary's son, Ty, actually goes to camp with Pam and I. That's so, so nice. Oh, that's so like fun. Like 35 years later because we're real old now. Wow. Uh, so it's pretty cool. So I was at that day camp from when I was seven till I was probably 18 or 19, went off to college. I did the Disney College program. I did an internship. What What's is the, the Disney, Disney College program, <laughs> so Mr. They, Disneyland? <laughs> so you go to so you uh, so you know they have Disney Institute there. So you basically what's have, that? So it's this huge organization they have. They actually do like crazy research there about yeah. organizations and how they function and how to run a business. Cool. And, and they they bring students every semester to not only work at Disney World but also take classes. Uh, so it's pretty pretty cool program. It's also a ton of fun. So when I was 19, I did the Disney College program one summer, uh, which was incredible. And some of my best friends who I met there were still very close. And uh, and then I did an internship one summer. But then I was really pulled back to camp, and I, I went back to camp for for a few years. Back to the day camp. Back to the day camp. Yeah. And then when I uh, when I was in grad school, uh, so I was in grad school initially to be a high school English teacher. Yeah. And at the time, I don't know if it's still like this, it was mostly females mm -hmm. in the classes. It was like two guys and 18 women, usually. Not a lot of men wanted to be high school English teachers, I guess. And I met one of the only other guys in the class, and we were talking one day. And he said, what are you doing this summer? And I said, I don't really have a plan yet. I don't know. He said, well, I work at this camp, and they're looking for somebody else. Do you want me to get you in touch? 
I said, sure, it sounds great. I love camp. I'd love to get back into it. So they got me in touch with Roz and Jed Buck, who run Meadowbrook Day Camp. You should have them on your podcast. Uh, they're awesome. Uh, and they hired me as the special events coordinator, but the official title was the director of fun. So, so DAF. So I was the original DAF. <laughs> and I've actually been back a few times uh, for reunions. And there's all these other people who have been DAFs. And uh, they'll say, oh, my gosh, you're the original DAF. We've heard about <laughs> you. So I was with them for four-ish years and really worked a lot of pre-camp. So I would start in like April or May and then be there through the summer and maybe September helping them with odd stuff. You know, Roz's favorite story is going to the pool store to go buy chemicals and the people who work there were not very nice. So she would call and yell at them for being mean to me. <laughs> uh, but I really spent a lot of time with them. I spent a lot of late nights and, and really just started to love camp again. And when I finished grad school, instead of becoming a teacher or a college professor, I decided I want to be a camp guy. And one of my best friends, Scott, he was working at ACA New York at the time, mm. running Tri-State. And literally, like as I was about to finish school, was somebody- Scott a friend from day camp? No, he's just somebody I'd met through the years, through yeah, camp yeah, yeah. and other people. And as I was getting ready to graduate, finish grad school, somebody was leaving ACA New York. So the t it's all timing. And mm. he hired me to come help him run Tri-State. And while I was doing that, I reconnected with Jonathan, who owned the camp when I was younger, the day camp. Mm. He was not, he didn't own it. He was the director, excuse me, um, when we were teenagers. And he had just bought a camp and hired Gary to be the director. Mm. And my goal was to be a camp director. So he said, great, I have this new camp. Gary's the director. You're going to be our new assistant director at this camp. And I said, great. So it all came full circle. And actually, now Scott works for Jonathan at another camp. <laughs> so it's all just it's this all, crazy circle. Like, yeah. um, and after a few years of doing that, like I said, I started teaching for this program. And I, and I really was looking for a new opportunity uh, you know, as an assistant director at a privately owned day camp. There's only so far you can go, and you, you look for new opportunities, and that's what I was doing. Also, you wanted to move to Philadelphia. <laughs> I also wanted to be closer. Even though we weren't that far away, I wanted to move to Philadelphia, and that would make it easier. So uh, she, your wife moved to Philadelphia before you. So Pam was already in Philadelphia when we met, and I was about an hour away where I was living. I was living in Jersey, in yeah. Jersey on the shore. I had this great little bungalow oh, in Manistee. It was great, uh, but we'll get back there one day. Uh, so... <laughs> This program just happened, again, it was just timing that the woman who was running it, Cheryl, was leaving and I needed something new and it just kind of worked out. And it really brought my two kind of passions together of camp and higher ed. And because it, the campus that I was originally working out of was in Nevada, I could work from home, which then allowed me mm. to pursue this idea of presenting at conferences as well as starting to consult with other camps. Yeah. So now I've been able to build my own consulting business alongside building this educational opportunity and be at Canadensis in the summer. It's all kind of worked out really well for me. Yeah. You yeah. really like are the ultimate camp professional. I'm trying. That's great. That's right. cool. I it's love fun. that. That's great. Yeah. Just like Great. really made it work. Yeah. <laughs> you like work the system well for yourself, but also for like for our you, life. the greater yeah. good yeah. of camp, I right. feel like. And also for personal reasons too, right? We we we've sat down and talked about it and tried to figure out because Pam's never leaving Canadensis, literally. And well that's not true. 
I have chosen my retirement date. I'm retiring when the camp turns 100. I'm going to throw a mega party, but that's like 20 years away. So I'm going to be there it's for a long time. It's 80 this summer, yes, right? This okay. This is the 80th okay. and 100. I know the camps in Maine throw like mega parties for so the 100. So what are we talking about? 1936? That's what we're talking about? No, we're talking about uh, 1941 was the first 41. year. 41. Yes. So I will be retiring in 2040. Okay. Well, can we yeah. come to the yeah, party? Come it's going to gonna party? be awesome. You guys are on the guest list. Circle the date now. We, we have talked to some people who did for the 100th, like one of their alumni is like a very big like wedding planner in New York City. Oh, and she yeah, yeah. was like, you know, tasked with getting all the, yeah, kind of like. I'm collecting world. ideas now. Okay, like, did really you have a camp themed wedding? We did not. We are, we're, we did not have a camp. You didn't get married at camp? We, we did not get married at camp. My co-director, Brian, who's been mentioned a couple of times, he did get married at camp. Eric, who's one of our previous director of operations, met his wife and got married at camp oh. as well. So everyone's like, great, Pam's getting married. She's going to get married at camp. But the problem is, is that their wives really planned the wedding. So <laughs> it's, it's okay to get married in May or September. But as the camp director, I did not feel like I could plan my wedding when it was warm enough to be up at camp yeah. like those two things would conflict yeah. but what we did was so we had if you really want to know about oh, our we wedding so at our wedding we actually we had a whole weekend we did a weekend um in the new hope princeton area which we really love and what we did is we hired so we have a lot of kids even though we don't have kids of our own we have a lot of kids in our lives who we love and cherish and spend a lot of time with so we had probably about 30 kids at our wedding oh. and what we did was we hired our best like group leaders our staff from camp that summer yeah. to come work the weekend and we got them <laughs> shirts uh, polo shirts with our own logo on them Aww. we had an orientation friday night like rehearsal we had a training um and then they were responsible for specific families and their kids and they oh so God. saturday night we had a rehearsal night um, where those staff members were responsible for babysitting for specific families' kids, and we had a pizza party and the whole thing. And then the next day, there was an upstairs to our wedding venue, and those staff were on a schedule, and they were scheduled so to play games. So you did have a camp themed right. wedding. <laughs> there was a there was a lot of arts and crafts supplies involved in our wedding prep, and there were s'mores at the wedding. Oh, <laughs> that's my favorite. So we we definitely put some camp into it, and I mean, two wow. camp directors trying to like schedule a program for the. I mean, it was pretty. It was pretty much camp for <laughs> yeah, the. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. that sounds like you approached it the way that you approached yeah, much. directing yeah. camp. It was just in November. Otherwise, it would have been at camp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah. Love that journey. Um, oh, I have a question about your the class on inclusion. Right. Uh, something that we've been, as we tour so many camps, uh, there's a couple things that we feel like oh, yeah, we're we running into. So I'm curious how how you approach it in the class or if you talk about it so one of them or if you know any of the trends that are happening like in yeah camps. so what so talking about uh gender at mm -hmm. boys and girls camps all girls camps all right. boys talking about uh inclusion in terms of sexuality and like changing language around that and then the third one is kind of um around the theme of like indian names and trying to rename things and right so two things so the well i don't know if it's two things but the program was developed before a lot of these issues yeah. were were prevalent. So we're actually rewriting the course to include these. I think it's a conversation that needs to happen that is happening more and more. Uh, I think that what you have to do is what's best for your camp. 
and what's best for your campers is kind of my opinion on it. And be really upfront and honest with parents and with your community and make it work the best way that you can without compromising who you are as a camp director or who you are as a camp. And I think you have to make it work for everybody and be really, really respectful in both of those instances, right? Whether it's gender, whether it's sexuality, whether it's names, whatever it might be. I think there's, there's always gonna be a line and I don't, you know, I'm not one to judge anybody else's camp or tell anybody what to do. I think it's more about facilitating the conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because right? I think a lot of people them. get stuck and then they yeah. kind of don't act and it just seems like acting from the top is the only place where it matters. Right, and I think it's better to ask for help. So personally, I think it's better to engage with somebody who has an expertise in it, right? There's lots of people who deal with gender and inclusivity as their profession. Yeah. And that's probably the person that you want to call and say, hey, can, can you come help me with this? Yeah. Because it shouldn't be somebody who doesn't know and it shouldn't be you if you don't have experience with it. And you're trying, you know, I think as camp directors, we tend to hold on to our traditions and hold on to our view and feel of what camp is. And it's very hard to get out of that and to see, you know, that that high-end look, right, the drone, right? It's hard to look down and look yeah. at yourself. So I think calling somebody and asking for help is probably the most important piece and finding somebody who really knows how to have these conversations and what they look like. And how to educate about having these conversations. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And then I think, you know, as far as the naming pieces go, I think, again, it's an individual decision and you do what you think is best and you make it as fair as possible. So, yeah. Cause that answer, I don't know if I answered no, that question. No, that was a great answer. Okay. Yeah, we've been running into a lot of um, <laughs> a lot of people have asked us about these questions, and we're just kind of like, we don't, you know, every camp that we've come into contact with that has handled these issues has handled it differently, differently. right? Yes. And so, like, we can't speak to like any trends that are happening. Across no, there's no one camp. answer. Right. Right. So. Uh, we thought we'd ask you. And the great thing, <laughs> the, the great thing that's going on around now, I mean, and I'll shout out one that I'm like super, and you guys should find these, them, I can connect to you, but mm. Camp Brave Trails. I don't know if you've heard of them. No. They're in California. There's an amazing group, and I can connect you with the directors. Um, and they're doing an amazing job with young people of all identities and this inclusive environment what they're doing is unbelievable. I'm sure there are others, so I apologize if I'm not mentioning any others, but they're just, these are people that I've met through my my travels. And it's great that there are places now for young people, not just campers, but staff also, who want to be in safe spaces, who feel like this is better for them to be amongst people where they can explore and figure out who they are and where they belong. And that the, the organizations like that that are more becoming more and more prevalent yeah. in the camp world are unbelievable. Yeah, right? I, I see. So a camp doing. that's getting out there and like saying like, "Hey, we are specifically focused yes. on like, uh, yeah, inclusivity." It's unbelievable. That's cool. I just thought of this, but like I, I say all the time that there's cool. a camp for every kid. Absolutely. But I also the other the flip side of that is not every camp is for every kid, and that means just for a kid that doesn't want to go away for that long to like, you know, a kid who does not feel comfortable in a camp that like identifies, you know, cisgenders only. And I like, you know, Pam made fun, you know, joked a little bit about me not going to sleepaway camp, but I would have been a kid that would have been miserable at sleepaway camp. (laughs) Right. Not that I don't think it's valuable and I, I can see now the value in it now that I've spent so much time there. But for me as a kid, 
I would have been super uncomfortable. I don't do well with like sharing public spaces. I don't do well without having my personal space, right? I don't do well in like those big group settings like that. So as a kid, it, it would have made no sense for me to go. I would have been really unhappy mm-hmm. and missed home. Uh, my brother also was a couple year, is a couple years older and went to this camp and I wanted to, you know, kind of emulate him and that was part of it. So I think there is a camp for everybody. You have to do what's best for you as an individual. So that makes a difference. I think, I think you're right. I think you have to make a good choice for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's like good life advice too. Yeah. Not yeah. just for so. camp. You know, I talk about a lot, you know, in the, the consulting that I do and even in, at Gratz, we talk a lot about like introverts versus extroverts. Yeah. It's a topic that I'm pretty passionate about because even though I do all this presenting and training, I'm pretty introverted by mm-hmm. nature where I like, and Pam will tell you, I like being at home. I like quiet time. I like to sit and read a book, but I don't love the big social stuff necessarily. I do it and then I'm, I need a little break and we at camp tend to value the extroverts a lot more than we do the introverts but there's a lot of introverted campers and staff out there that maybe aren't feeling as included because of the way we we value those those big personalities so it's something to think about too right that that plays into it as well is what kind of culture do you have what kind of environment is there what opportunities a lot more camps that i talk to now are offering like reading clubs you know canadensis does it they have a they have a book club which is actually really nice and they sit in the grove which is a beautiful place and they read books together Um, not always the same book some of them are doing it for school but it's an opportunity if you don't want to play soccer or basketball or whatever is going on you can sit and read a book and there's there's a lot of camps offering those you know lego programs are getting much much bigger um for kids who just want a little bit of time to be creative and explore it's so interesting because like i remember we used to have sports field night when we were a kid Mm. like it was an evening activity it was like kind of like free play whereas like you just went and played whatever sport and then i feel like sometimes the kids who just like wanted to write a letter home or like sit with a book like it was kind of like no you have to come play mm-hmm. but like there's just as much value in that yeah. as there is in playing and i feel like they would bring a crazy creek in a yeah. book and sit and just on like the, chill like, yeah, yeah. like that's what you know it got to a point i think a few years ago where the expectations are so high of like really programming kids the way that we do during the school year yeah right. so during the school year kids are so programmed and it's you know constant activity after activity activity and camps were feeling that pressure of oh we have to make sure that kids are super busy all the time activity 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 but then they stopped and paused and realized like there's a lot of kids who don't need that and camp should be a place that's a lot different than school and maybe we can kind of loosen the reins a little bit give them some free play sitting with playing mahjong sounds so lovely and like relaxing yeah or avocado aficionado things that aren't as high energy and that they can just enjoy each other's company and build relationships and communicate in that way pam you want to say something you sure (laughs) Uh, crochet 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 if you want a list of pam's favorite hobbies that'll be available (laughs) with the show notes later on yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) but that makes sense and yeah i mean there were times where people got to shine you'd be like oh this person can't i mean but then you'd be celebrated for like coming out of your shell and when introverts become more extroverted like that was a, but like yeah. extroverts were totally the people who were yeah. known and right. popular and picked for team. And I can go into the history of it, but it, it's not yeah. interesting for anybody. I'll say the introverted, class. extroverted. I don't know. I mean, like I've been called an extroverted introvert my whole life, but like I'm just a full introvert. I recharge by myself. I'm mm-hmm. an only child. I'm never bored because I am always have something to read or think about yeah, or whatever. Or yeah, exactly. I'm yeah. always doing something, but like I have to do it by myself. But like mm. I have a big personality. People think I'm incredibly mm. extroverted, but I'm not. And like 
it's I don't know I found a balance with that at camp but I don't know that everybody does no you have to encourage it too you have yeah. and I think as you're hiring and placing staff you have to make sure that you're being really aware of who the kids are that need that mm. type of person in their life who is more introverted who but who's still really successful and beloved yeah. and make sure that you're allowing them to meet each other and to, to yeah. spend time together so they can see like oh I don't have to be ashamed or worried about not wanting to be the big personality right this person's awesome and they're just like me yeah um so that's a huge part of it also so these are all things that we do kind of cover these are like all the discussions that you have Ugh, i want to i just want to get my master's in camp administration just so i can sit around and talk about camp all day in an academic setting yeah classes start in the fall you know (laughs) come join the cohort you know, special happy campers scholarship is available. Oy, yeah. I don't know that I need another advanced degree. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could get one. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Dave, thanks for sticking around and talking to us. Do you want to plug you. it again? Yeah. How Gratz so, College. Sign up. Yeah. So you can. It's Gratz, G-R-A-T-Z dot E-D-U. Uh, if you're going to be out and about at conferences, we'll be at all a lot of those. But you can go to gratz.edu, and, or you can just email me at dmalter, M-A-L-T-E-R, at gratz.edu. Uh, and love to talk to you more about it. Um, yeah, Professor Dave. Professor Dave. That's what we call him. That's right. Um, you can also, I just Googled camp administration and leadership, and it's the first thing that comes up. That's so, right. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. You can Google that too. Um, all right. So, thanks for sticking around. This yeah. is a great Thank convo. Thank you. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about it. Yeah, of course. Sounds great. Um, find Camp Canadensis again. Um, shout out to Pam, the beautiful, Pam, Pam. amazing Pam. For the next 20 <laughs> years or so. <laughs> She'll be around till 2041. Um, and uh, check us out at Happy Campers Podcast. Write, review, subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell your camp friends. Find us on Insta at Happy Campers Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> Day is done. Caught in the sun. We yeah. out. <laughs> Bum 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 b